I'm Chad Parkman with Parkman Farms in Lavernia, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We are locked, loaded, and ready to roll with another edition of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me. Buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, this has been a big week of hearings for the cattle industry in Washington, D.C. Both the Senate Agriculture Committee and the House Agriculture Committee held hearings this week, focusing on cattle marketing legislation, as well as testimony from the CEOs of the four major meat packers. We'll have more on those hearings coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. I'm James Hunt in Amarillo. At the big ceremony for the Texas Tech Vet School a few days ago, I had a chance to catch up with former House Ag Committee Chairman Mike Conaway. You'll hear what he had to say about the writing of the next farm bill on Texas Ag Today. Supply chain issues and inflation continue as the Russia-Ukraine war surpasses two months. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have more on the war's partial continuing impact on agriculture here in Texas and the United States on Texas Ag Today. This is James Duncan and Marshall. We've got the corn planted. It's up, as a matter of fact. Watermelons are in the ground. The seeds are just beginning to sprout. The tomato plants are in. Some are really growing right now. All we need is some good produce-type growing weather, and we'll have an excellent farmer's market this year. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. This is a big week for the cattle industry in Washington, D.C. Both the Senate and House Agriculture Committees are holding hearings this week to address concerns of the nation's cattle producers. It is Livestock Central in Washington this week, so we have the Senate, you know, who is really considering this bill that we just released the report on. The House, uh, and these are back-to-back days, the House has the CEOs, the four biggest uh, meat packers coming in to testify. That's Dr. Bart Fisher, co-director of the Agriculture and Food Policy Center at Texas A&M. You know, all of these issues, there's a lot of issues on the mind of, of producers for good reason. You know, everything from packing capacity to packer margins to this fed cattle pricing issue. I mean, these issues on their own are all complex and they're all interrelated, but you throw them all in the hat together and it gets even more complicated very quickly. Fisher is also a former staff economist for the House Agriculture Committee. He says that committee will be grilling the CEOs of the four major meat packers this week, which should make for an interesting hearing. I do find it interesting the timing of the hearing, you know, where DOJ does have ongoing investigations. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see just how much these CEOs are willing to say in a public hearing in light of the fact that DOJ is also very, very much in, in the middle of reviewing uh, reviewing practices in their businesses. And so 
I could uh, also see their lawyers advising that they not say very much at those hearings, too, as the as some of these investigations continue to, to work their way through. Texas A&M's Bart Fisher. This week's Texas wheat crop ratings from USDA actually made a slight improvement. There's now 78% of the crop rated poor to very poor. That's a three-point drop from last week. BASF agronomist Adam Hickson is based in Lubbock, and he says there are some decent-looking wheat fields scattered from Lubbock to the panhandle, but insects have been an issue. Uh, There's some wheat out there that actually looks pretty good. Some interesting pest situations in in the wheat because it's really the only green thing out there, right? We're seeing some aphids we don't usually see. We're seeing some mites that we probably don't usually see. And and it's really because it's the only green plant material that's out there. There's not many weeds um, to harbor those uh, insects. And with wheat prices around $12 a bushel, any producers who graze their wheat this year have taken the cattle off and are trying to make the best grain crop they can. And I would say, um, yes, you're right. A majority of them are taking it to grain. And so, again, fingers crossed that we get some timely rains because there is some good looking wheat out there, especially up in the Oklahoma area and the irrigated uh, wheat out here in the Texas panhandle. And there's obviously a great price for it. BASF agronomist Adam Hickson in Lubbock. A former chairman of the House Agriculture Committee weighs in on the writing of the next farm bill. James Hunt caught up with former Texas Congressman Mike Conaway recently in Amarillo. At the Texas Tech Vet School ribbon cutting in Amarillo the other day, I ran into former House Ag Committee chairman Mike Conaway. He allowed me a few moments to get his thoughts on the next farm bill. Having led the process before, Conaway knows that writing a farm bill is always challenging. Never been a perfect farm bill, never been a perfect human being except Jesus, and there's always things you could do better, and circumstances change. You look at the 14 farm bill, commodity prices was really good, never going to see another poor day, and then by 18, commodity prices had been in the tank for two years, and, and so there's different circumstances. The thing that for the 23 farm bill that's probably the most unsolvable right this second is the money issue. Given the ad hoc money that's gone in since the 18 Farm Bill with WIP, WIP Plus, various disaster relief packages, the trade, you know, uh, MFP payments, those kind of things, a lot of money went into the system. And how that gets reconciled in the 23 Farm Bill versus what the normal, you know, count on funding is going to be, be one of the big questions that will have to be answered. Conaway, a Midland Republican who retired from Congress by not seeking re-election in 2020, remains very engaged with the issues as he now represents various clients through his firm in Washington, D.C. He told me he does look forward to having some opportunities to share his input on the next farm bill and cited standard priorities like adequately funding Title I programs and protecting crop insurance, but also urged caution about the bill's conservation title. I think that's where you'll see a lot of the efforts by the Dems to implement the climate issues that the president's talked about over and over and over and over. Be careful about automatic linking conservation support for compliance with things that don't make sense in that regard. Once again, that was former House Ag Committee Chairman Mike Conaway. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Inflation and the war in Ukraine are affecting all aspects of agriculture. Tom Nicoletti has more. The Russia-Ukraine war is now more than two months old. The impact on the world and the United States is ongoing from a supply chain and inflation standpoint, specifically impacting agriculture. 
Dr. Pedro Reyes is an internationally recognized expert on supply chain management in Baylor University's School of Business. Well, it's going to continue to be a, a, a factor because so much comes out of that part of the world. Wheat, corn, fertilizer, etc. And it's going to put a strain here in the U.S. That's a, a major input that's, uh, that's needed and it's getting scarce. And that's basically what's going to start happening here in the in the agribusiness or the supply chain here in the U.S. and in specifically Texas, where there's going to be less, there's going to be a scarcity of this of these inputs. It's going to create a a gaming effect that we we call in the supply chain, where you're going to start seeing people buying more than they need because there's a shortage and they're trying to game the system, which is going to result in higher prices. When you have less supply and a greater demand, that's just going to inflate the prices. That's going to be a problem. I think wheat and and anything that is that uses wheat, there'll be a, there'll be a, a a very small shortage effect coming up, only because most of the wheat comes from Russia and, U, and the Ukraine area. We would expect to see some kind of a shortage there. Corn, not so much. I'm waiting to see what the other industries will, will be, how that would be impacted. The cotton, so I know that a lot of cotton is grown in South Texas, and I'm just kind of curious how that might be impacted by some of these uh, shortages. That is Dr. Pedro Reyes at Baylor University in Waco. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Spring crops are in the ground and growing in East Texas. James Duncan has an update from Marshall. As the time keeps passing by, the weather keeps getting better, the crops are planted. Yes, sir, our corn is really up and growing where we produce it. Now, we're not large corn producers, but we're producing for the farmer's market. We're producing for that family that likes fresh-grown corn right out of the field. We got it all planted, got it all up, and then what happens? A hailstorm. We haven't received a 100% knockout, but we did lose some due to the storm that hit us here just this past weekend. Next up, the watermelons, we got them in in time to do 4th of July. We think that they'll get out. The people that I talked to, the people that are planting them, just are really optimistic about the growing season as far as watermelons are concerned. Now, the weather really has been strange all over Texas. We know that. But right here in this area, the damage to our peach trees was minimal when the tornadoes came through. But then the hail hit everybody. And you know that hail will fall and it'll knock buds off, knock young peaches off. Even the few of the really early varieties were already putting a few small ones on. We lost some of those. So that may have a produce detriment to our peach area this year. We'll watch that real close. Now, the tomato vines, they're just really young yet. So they did not receive a tremendous amount of damage in the hail storm. But we don't know yet how they're going to come out. We've got a lot of different varieties planted in the gardens and in the uh, commercial produce fields that we deal with. So we're just looking forward to good growing season on all of our crops. Market organizations have organized real well this year. We've got a real strong uh, stream that are going to be set up along the roadsides and on the squares of the towns here in East Texas. This is James Duncan reporting from Marshall for Texas Ag Today. Texas high school students have just a few more days to register for a wildlife conservation summer camp. I'm Jessica Dilmull, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And Texas A&M professors are studying the differences between cattle breeds and temperament. Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. 
Wildfires swept across central and west Texas in March, burning over 86,000 acres. Fires devoured pasture land and farmland, as well as livestock, homes, barns, and equipment. The Texas Farm Bureau West Texas Wildfire Relief Fund is ready to help. Farmers and ranchers with unreimbursed agricultural losses are encouraged to apply for assistance. Monetary contributions to the fund are also being accepted. Go to TexasFarmBureau.org to learn more. That's TexasFarmBureau.org. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Texas A&M professors are studying the differences between cattle breeds and temperament. Dr. Bob Judd takes a closer look at those studies. Dr. Sarah Whitespringer and Dr. Thomas Walsh, as well as others in the AgriLife section, are trying to determine how the temperament and muscle genetics in young beef animals impact product quality later in life. As reported at Drovers.com, the United States Department of Agriculture has granted the scientists $500,000 to study skeletal muscle energetics at the cellular level to determine how mitochondria are related to meat quality. Mitochondria are organelles inside the cells that are considered the powerhouse of the cell. The goal is to identify tests that can help producers make the best economic decisions possible concerning future management of individual animals. Energetics is a study of how mitochondria make energy in the muscle, and the scientists are trying to determine if this affects meat quality. Also, they are trying to determine if temperament is related to meat quality by alterations in energetics. For example, White Springer indicates which biochemical complex an animal relies on for energy production could have an effect on meat color or tenderness. The study involves Angus and Brahmin cattle, as Angus are desirable for meat, whereas Brahmin cattle are discounted due to a negative perception regarding their temperament and lower quality carcass. The goal of the study is to determine the ability to use a physiological marker in live animals to predict meat quality, to determine the role of mitochondrial biogenetics in animal production, and how to adapt heat-tolerant breeds to prevent them being discounted at slaughter as they are now. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas high school students have just a few more days to register for a wildlife conservation summer camp. Jessica Domel tells more about it in today's Wildlife Report. Texas high school students who want to spend some time outdoors this summer, perhaps fishing, learning how to identify plants, finding different wildlife species, learning trapping techniques, and more, have just a few days left to apply for the Texas chapter of the Wildlife Society's annual Wildlife Conservation Camp. This year's camp is July 9th through the 13th at Big Woods on the Trinity in Tennessee Colony. Bobby Alcorn, camp director and wildlife biologist for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, says the camp is focused on introducing high school students, including those who will be graduating this year, to the natural world around them. Our main goal at the camp is to teach campers all about wildlife conservation in our state. Things like trapping and survey methods, shooting and hunting, and how that factors into wildlife conservation. Also, research methods, how we go about actually studying these animals, and how we go about actually managing our habitats and these animals. So really, if you're interested in in wildlife at all, but especially if you're interested in conserving and managing wildlife, this camp gives you all the information you'll need to know to get a career started. Alcorn said the camp really gives students an opportunity to get outdoors and see what wildlife conservation really looks like. 
we'll tell you and we'll give you a lot of information, but we'll also get you out there and get your hands dirty in the field, showing you just what it is that we do to conserve wildlife in our state. The camp offers a variety of hands-on activities and can give a leg up to those who are interested in pursuing a career in a wildlife or natural resource-related field. The deadline to apply for the camp is May 1st. You can apply at wildlifecamptx.org. That's wildlifecamptx.org. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Another drop in the cattle market on Wednesday while the cotton market hits limit up. We'll take a closer look at all of Wednesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. On the Texas Ag Calendar, young farmers and ranchers in southeast Texas are invited to the Young Farmer and Rancher event coming up on Sunday, May 15th, 3 o'clock at Neal's Berry Farm in Waller, Texas. Kevin Seawright joins me to talk more about it. Kevin, tell me what's happening at this Young Farmer and Rancher gathering. It's our District 11 YFNR event uh, for anybody that's a YFNR from 18 to 35 that's interested in agriculture. And we're going to be at Neil's Berry Farm over in Waller. And we're going to tour his berry farm. And we're going to pick some berries and talk about the YFR events that we have coming up. Young farmers and ranchers ages 18 to 35 are invited to attend. Kevin, where can they get more information? Uh, You can contact uh, Jessica Niemer, 936-419-9648. It's all happening on Sunday, May 15th, 3 o'clock at Neal's Berry Farm in Waller, Texas. If you'd like to have an event featured here on the Texas Ag Calendar, just shoot me an email. C. Martin, that's C-M-A-R-T-I-N at T-X-F-B dot O-R-G. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. It has been an up-and-down week for the cattle futures trade. We ended up closing lower on Wednesday. Higher corn prices definitely do not help. And we had a fairly quiet cash market for Wednesday, so that didn't help prices either. We ended up closing with April live cattle down $1.50, $138.50. June down $1.22 at $135.02, while August live cattle dropped $1.25, 137.02. Feeder market dropping lower on all except the nearby April. It was unchanged, 156.20. May feeders dropped 337, 157.35, while August feeder cattle were down 420 to close at 168.95. As we mentioned earlier, cash market fairly quiet for Wednesday. Now, we did see some sales on Tuesday. Here in the south, those sales were at 140. That's fully steady with last week. Up north, we saw sales range from 144 to 147 on a live basis. Dress prices mostly 232. The online fed cattle exchange was operational on Wednesday, but no cattle sold. The best bids in that auction, 139 and a half. They were rejected by the sellers. Boxed beef was lower Wednesday. Choice down $1.59 at $262.58. Select down $307, $253.16. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Let's get started with a cattle sale down in Three Rivers. They do it every Monday. Riley Rhodes and crew. Riley, 
Let's uh, walk the pins. Tell us about price and quality and how many noses you counted. I went real good, Larry. Um, you know, got a little little rain and a little forecast for rain down here. Kind of got everybody's hopes up and market was better. Um, despite the high corn prices and down features and everything else, we got along pretty good. The, uh, Packer cows, they did take some money off of them, uh, but everything else sold uh, better. Uh, we had a few pairs, 850 to 13 and a quarter on those. Uh, some bread cows, 7 and a quarter up to 1250. Packer cows, uh, like I said, they were off a little bit. 82 to 88 on your high yielding cows, 74 to 78 on your breakers, 28 to 52 on your canners. Uh, Packer bulls, pretty much steady money, dollar to dollar eight on your high yielding bulls, 84 to dollar on your low to medium yielding bulls. The two to three weight choice steers, dollar 80 to 206. Heifer mates, 158 to 178. Uh, three to four weight choice steers, 174 to 198. Heifer mates, 154 to 170. Four to five weight choice steers, 172 to 194. Heifer mates, 148 to 166. Five to six weight choice steers, 164 to 186. The heifer mates, 142 to 158. Six to seven weight choice steers, 146 to 164. Heifer mates, 132 to 148. And the seven to eight weight cattle, 128 to 146 on your choice steers. And the heifer mates, 124 to 138. So real pleased with it. Um, I thought, uh, you know, like I said, the cows might have been four to six lower on the Packard cows. Uh, calves and yearlings, though, uh, six to ten higher. You know, maybe some of those little calves, uh, you know, up to 12 higher. Uh, so got along good. Uh, I guess, you know, the rainfall up the country has made a difference. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Riley. 361-813-6650 is a cell. Uh, 361-786-2553 is the office. LiveOakLivestock.com is a web. Thank you, Riley. Riley sells them every Monday. Neighbor there at Three Rivers. I'm Larry Marble, and I do walking the pens every Monday through Friday. Thanks for listening. Good day. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. Where lean hogs were lower on Wednesday. May hogs down a dollar two, one oh four seventeen. June hogs down eighty two cents, one ten thirty five. Class three milk was mixed. April milk up six cents, twenty four thirty seven a hundred weight. May milk down thirty nine at twenty four thirty one a hundred. A big jump in the cotton market on Wednesday. The July contract was limit up five hundred points. Traders having to square away the differences between the May and the July. The May going off the board, it's at about a six-cent premium over the July. So that's pulling that July contract up and helped it to move to the limit on Wednesday. 500 points higher on the July. It closed at 140.68. October cotton up 341 points, 128.23, while December cotton was up 368 close at 122.39. Cool wet weather in the Midwest continues to delay corn planting there and that's supporting corn prices. May corn up 12 and a quarter, 8.15 and a half. July corn up 10 and three quarters at 8.12 and a half. September corn up six and a half at 7.66 and three quarters. The wheat market lower on rain in the forecast for the southern plains. July Kansas City wheat down ten and a half at eleven fifty-four a bushel. July Chicago wheat down three and three quarters, ten ninety-one and a quarter. In the energy markets, May natural gas up twenty-two cents, seven oh seven. June crude oil up fourteen at one oh one eighty-four a barrel. The financial markets were slightly higher Wednesday afternoon. The Dow up 164 points, 33,404. The Nasdaq up 15 at 12,507. The S&P up 17 at 4,193. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name is Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet. Texas Agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. 
Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.